Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I am extremely sunburned. I am Luke Belly, and I live in the UK, so I have not seen the sun for almost six months now. And with us today is a very special guest, the first guest we ever had on this show, and I thought we would end the year bringing him back That's on. True. Shit, yeah. Hussein Kazvani, the podcast host from Trash Future and Ten Thousand Posts. Hussein, welcome. Hi. I was hoping that after I like showed up on your first episode, like it would be done. Like, <laughs> I, like my presence would have just like ended it. Um, but so I'm sad to see that it's like gone from strength to strength, partly because of my presence. <laughs> well, I assumed people started listening. Hoping you'd be on every episode, and they've just waited this long to get one more episode with you. Yeah, I mean, the people who are still listening are glutts for punishment, let's be real. Today's episode is kind of like a year-end episode, but I want to take it, I want to elevate it, you know, beyond the just like, let's talk about the worst stuff thing. I want to say, I want to talk about what truly makes a bad post and, and try to create a unified theory of the of the bad 2020 post. Wait, can we, can, before we do that, can we talk about all of the worst posts, all of which were posted by Marvel like five days ago? <laughs> or by Disney five days ago. They were all the worst posts, cumulatively. I mean, Hussein, what do you think about how all content is now owned by Disney and all exists in the same universe? Um, on the early episode of Trash Future, we talked about how like the future of movies was basically going to be that you would have one movie that would span an entire week and it would have all your favorite characters and there'd be at, at some point you could also kind of like immerse yourself into that and i feel like someone at disney marvel or whatever listened to that episode and they were like damn fuck this is a great idea we should do this um and that's how we've sort of gotten to here where like you're kind of heading towards the four or five hour movie of every marvel superhero that kind of i mean look i don't know much about marvel um so uh, but it's fine because do you know anything about any other strand of content because that was also announced at the same time because all of the content announced was ever has been announced what what i think hussein is trying to say though is that the future of media is gamer anthony's birthday party in which all of the characters <laughs> from all of history come together to wish him happy birthday or it's yeah. kind of or it's just kind of like ready player one but like as like unif like as a unified thing right yeah they've all come together to wish Walt Disney, a notorious anti-Semite, a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that said, like, there was some stuff which I saw which, you know, I was kind of like, for fuck's sake, they're kind of, you know, with the Star Wars. Like, the Star Wars stuff is probably the only thing that I'm kind of, like, moderately invested in. Um, so the idea of, like, doing, what, seven or eight spin-off series to kind of salvage the last sequel movie is... Um, <laughs> Like, they're, re they're really doing the most. And, like, the thing, you know, the whole thing with the Obi-Wan series where they're bringing back Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen? Yeah, um, I'm really getting hyped about it. I get, <laughs> like, I get Obi-Wan. I don't know why you bring back Hayden Christensen. Because he was... I, he did, because he, our yeah. prequel memes wants it, man. He was he was great in the movie about the, Ital the warring Italian pizzerias. Oh, man. I watched <laughs> that movie. That movie is unbelievable. I don't want to, like become a completely other podcast that has covered this horrible film but like <laughs> how did that get made am i right guys 
I mean, like, I, I read this thing about Hayden Christensen a couple of days ago where it was kind of like, this was just a guy who got like a really bad deal um, from the film industry. And like, he wasn't, it, it was a it was a situation where he was like a decent enough actor that just had a string of very bad directors. Um, oh. And the one movie that stood out, the one movie that he didn't like, he was pretty good in and kind of, and that was an example of like his direction was uh, was the movie Shattered Glass. Um, oh yeah but ironically shattered glass is kind of like a movie of like what if anakin skywalker like was kicked out of a jedi council and became a journalist i mean i assume he would write <laughs> for like gateway pundit or something right he'd be of the daily caller well, it's the only it's the uh, it's the only way he could be responsible for murdering more children <laughs> <laughs> no he would be working at newsmax and being like and saying like there is no sith takeover like the younglings all just went home like nobody died yeah yeah, that, yeah. That, that Darth Vader character is super cursed, though, because Hayden Christensen's career died. Uh, Jake Lloyd hates the concept of the fact that he was ever Anakin Skywalker. Uh, David Prowse, who is clearly the best Darth Vader, uh, as he was from the West Country and played the whole thing with a West Country accent until it was replaced with uh, James L. Jones. Mm. Wasn't uh, he super racist, though? David Prowse? Yeah, he spent most of his life being incredibly racist to James Earl Jones. Right, he was from the he was from the West Country. I, I said this already. He's also a British guy in like what the seventies and eighties and stuff. Like, but you know, yeah, it's kind of, it kind of like comes with the package. He was he was a six six British bodybuilder whose only other role of note was that he was the uh, the Green Cross Code Man. So he was the guy who taught children how to cross the road, which you didn't have, Ryan, but we we had. You had we had the Green Cross Code, and you, he, you had yeah. the dude who would like explained how to people. Explain to children how to cross the road while being green. Are you talking about? Uh, wait, are you saying that Darth Vader was a crossing guard? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he the was British all, guy yeah. who played the body of Darth Vader was a crossing guard. He was also the big himbo in uh, Clockwork Orange. Yes, he was. Oh, huh. But, like he was a guy in his pants, like doing weights and stuff. Um, in like the second half of that movie, he was also from Bristol. I mean, <laughs> that's cool. Okay. Wait, I want to talk about bad posts. I've asked you both to sort of think about some bad posts. I have some bad posts. Hussein, you do a show now dedicated to bad posts. I consider you the expert. You also make a lot of bad posts yourself. (laughs) I would say that almost all of your posts are bad. I've never done a a bad post in my life. This This is libel. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think that you are like bordering like you know the theory that Alex Jones is secretly Bill Hicks and he just like got stuck in a character and then like that's him now yes I I'm afraid right. every day that that will happen to whatever you're doing on Twitter I think that is happening but I'm not afraid of it because I think it's more fun yeah um I don't know whether I'll I don't know whether I'll go that far but here's my story about how I got into bad posts it was all because of Ryan Broderick because Uh-oh. before we went to the cursed place where we both work you're inspired by the hero of bad posts yeah, well, look, when I first went to come work in our favorite place in the world, I was I was a very earnest guy who just, like, wanted to be a news person. And then I managed to sit opposite this, like, it, like chaotic poster who kept getting, like, venerated for how good his posts were. And I was kind of like, <laughs> I want to do the same. So I studied, I studied Ryan's posts as if I was studying the Blade. And this is how I've become how I've become now. Wow. I'm sorry. i feel unbelievably guilty wow that's that's right incredible it's it's a real like frankenstein and the monster situation it was like ryan it was was your effluence that that caused that the same was looking at 
Yeah, didn't realize good it was effluence. Thought it was and good. I, yeah, thought and it was I just good th- things. Yeah. And, and I just think that over time, as I've sort of become more and more corrupted by posts and discourse and everything, my brain has just like started to function in a way where I can only think in terms of posts, which is how we now like lead to this period where it's kind of like people will say, "Oh, you do good posts or you do bad posts." And I'm kind of like, "No, I, I, I just like write what I think because this is how I think now." Oh, all posts are good. And all posts are bad. No, no, all thoughts are posts. That's right. <laughs> that yeah. Is, yeah, that's completely right. Because if you like, if you think about what the last thought you had was, like, I'm pretty sure the last thought was probably within the like 240 character bracket. I don't think anyone's had a thought that's like any longer than that. No, that's true. Um, and also, if you think about it, like, if you add up a bunch of thoughts, that's just like a thread. So, like, that makes total sense. Exactly. Exactly. So. Hussein, do you want to start us off? Do you want to kick us off with a bad post that you've chosen to bring to the group today? (laughs) So I had a lot. And the thing is, we're doing an end of year post show in uh, a couple of weeks. So I've got like a lot on the list and I'm trying to figure out what can I like, you know, give you guys and what guys do I like want to keep for myself. So this one was done by B. Allen Abraham, Abrahamian. Um, uh, you guys might've seen it. Uh, it was, it went viral. It's kind of gone viral oh, today. Oh no, it's the, is it the hair tweet? Yes. I'm going to read it now. The week after Trump was elected, I dreamed that my blonde hair was so long that it touched the ground and I used it to cover and hide the protect body of my brown husband. I mean, also, this is an accurate metaphor for basically the last, I don't know, uh, I don't know, since 1865, I can't do the maths, but it's for a while, yeah. 155 years. I read this tweet and like my soul <laughs> left my body. Like, I was just like, I, 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 do, I don't understand how you get to a point of like verified Twitter brain where you're like, this is totally acceptable for me as a person to put on the internet. I, I kind of like, so this genre of tweet is very common and it's become, it's like, it was very common, I think back in 2016. Um, mm. And it kind of made a comeback this year for like quite obvious reasons. Right. Um, and they, and it tends to be the genre of tweet that comes from like, what I would like to say are like well-meaning professional white American women who are trying to show solidarity with like people of people of color because like between the years of 2016 and 2020 there was obviously that thing of like you know you remember the whole discourse around like white women voted trump into office and therefore they need to educate themselves on like race issues and everything and that kind of discourse kind of emerged again with like the blm protest but it's really been this like ongoing thing where you've had like this section of white women who have very earnestly tried to do that right um but because they've tried to kind of like have this crash course in like racial awareness um (laughs) and the only way that they can actually like show that 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 kind of like self-taught course was worth it was is through the means of posting they end up like posting these very bizarre things which i think they feel is very well-meaning and very well might be but it just comes across as like extremely weird and like lacking in self-awareness yes and it also is like it's it's also part of a genre of tweet that i'm like deeply fascinated by and i was like I was on a long car ride yesterday, so I had some time to just, like, you know, think about posting for a while. Yeah. And I had read this tweet, and I was, like, trying to process it. And I, the way I the – the best way I can describe it is, like, 
if you're verified on Twitter and you're someone who's like tangentially related to the media or you're working in journalism or something, you're a person. But you're also like this weird quasi public figure where you're not really a celebrity, but like you exist in real life and like mm-hmm. you are committed to like the public spotlight. So you're kind of part of that. So there's this thing where like you have to awkwardly find ways to like publicify your personal life. So mm. you end up getting these like journalists that like have these weird roundabout ways of like creating like cinematic universes of their own lives where they're like talking about their spouses or their families. And they end up like being like very weird and like performative and strange because there's no normal way to do that. I think. Yeah. And I think, I, I think a lot of it is down to just like blue check stuff as well, where, you know, and whether this is conscious or unconscious, I'm not sure, but like, because, if you have a blue check, at least as I'm aware, like your, your tweets are like much more visible or at least your account tends to be like much more visible. Um, yes. When you're aware of that, you're also kind of aware that when you tweet, like people are reading your stuff. Like it's not something, I think there's like a type of tweeter that like post stuff just because it's like a fault or it's something that they're thinking about or they kind of want to tell a couple of people, but that's not really in the kind of like, that's not like at the forefront of their brain. Whereas I feel like if you have a blue check, regardless of who you're talking to, you're kind of aware that other people are going to see it as well. And the way in which people engage with that is like very different. And I think in Hmm. the context of this type of poster, um, again, like the very earnest kind of pretty naive and kind of lacking in self-awareness, like white professional woman, um, you know, it's one where like they they really want to show that they've changed. They really want to show that they right. kind of get the issues. And like, I think one of the amazing things about this tweet is the fact that like she kind of says, um, she says, protect the body of my brown husband, <laughs> right? Oh, and I, I just want to like make an observation, but I've just noticed now that like every, like she also types this entire tweet in lowercase. So right. Well, that, that means she's cool. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. That means she's a, Wait, who's saying that means she's a leftist? <laughs> that's, right, that's right. I was just thinking, like, is she, like, a leftist post, like, shit poster? Yeah, should I, she, should, hates, she hates capitalism. Yeah, should I be, like, inviting... <laughs> she hates should I, capitalism. <laughs> should, I be, should, should I be inviting her on to, like, 10K posts? Yeah. I mean, no, but... <laughs> I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right where it... And in and, and the self-own aspect of it is delicious. Like there's some, something just like uniquely delicious about it because like you don't have to tweet that even if you did have that dream. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having with dreaming about protecting your brown husband, but like don't tweet it. Like, right. You don't need to. Yeah. I think like and I think this is also like one of the fundamental things about bad tweets as well, which is that at the core of every bad tweet is kind of the thing of like you didn't have to post that. Like you could have chosen not to post it. And the fact that you did and the fact that like you kind of like there was this kind of conscious etymology behind like from the moment of conception to the kind of like delivery of that post that kind of like defines a big section of like the bad tweets also like the intentionality of it as well. Yes, absolutely. Luke, do you want to go now? I can do I can do a turn. So I want to do I want to talk about the um, the tumblification of Twitter and the particularly the the legitimization of cannibalism necrophilia or incest discourse oh man okay yeah so i have talk about i have this. three different tweets which i want to read out which are all kind of <laughs> on the same journey but it's a journey okay okay so the first one is 
My friend loves meat and always takes opportunities to eat meats considered in the West to be adventurous or taboo and has often joked about how she'd even eat human meat if it was ethical. And if someone compiled, compiled all her tweets, uh, they would try to cancel her for being a cannibal. Which I get. Like, you would cancel someone for being pro-cannibalism on Twitter. Mm. Which again is why this is the problem with uh. the ticks. You have like that kind of, it is a bit too real, suddenly you're that real person. Anyway, take two on this same narrative is banning incest because of birth defects is literally eugenics. Yes! Oh, yes! I yes. so much. <laughs> yes! Number three is necrophilia is only wrong insofar as a violation of the personal property rights <laughs> the family owning the corpse as personal property, which makes it a lot less immoral, whatever that is, than what people think. Did we not? Like, did, wow. Did, did, right, did me and you, like, did, did you talk about this tweet on our show or was it someone else? Wait, the necrophilia yeah, one? the necrophilia one. No, you, this no, is the first no. time. This yeah. is the first time I'm hearing it. This is amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Maybe you talked about it with someone else. But yeah, the necrophilia tweet and the, um, and the, uh, the other incest. one. Yeah, that both, came, that, those were both kind of posts on the post show. But the original one about um, the cannibal stuff, that was, I, I, I had no idea about, like, that was the origin post. That's the origin post, yeah. Was the cannibal was the cannibal one also tied to the Cartoon Network cannibal, or was that nope. a separate incidence of t- Twitter cannibalism? <laughs> uh, no, entirely separate, as far as I know. Okay, well, so I mean, no, I think you're totally right, though. This is part of like a larger narrative of like Tumblr beef happening on Twitter now. Yeah, it's the explanation that if you twist any version of politics, you can make a different, an entirely different segment of politics or a different segment of mora- morality stop making sense which has always been the case like that's that's kind of how it works but the idea mm-hmm. you're like well technically necrophilia is, is about property rights and you're like well i mean, they're I mean wrong. it is that's the problem i guess <laughs> technically they're correct yeah <sighs> you wouldn't fuck my couch why should you be allowed to fuck my dead grandfather <laughs> that's true this is the same logic and therefore <laughs> if we maintain that you know personal property is evil and all that sort of stuff then technically there's no problem with necrophilia. Yeah, it's a weird one to kind of like, I remember when we talked about this on the post show and I was just kind of like, I'm not kind of sure where to begin with this. Not necessarily because like I want to kind of like break down the thinking behind why someone would post something like this, but it's more just like, it's more like what happens when you take a very specific, like I think as you said, like when you take like a kind of post that you would see in a very particular context of Tumblr and then put it onto Twitter where like, everyone can see or like people who kind of like aren't aware of particular social context or like digital context suddenly Mm. kind of like jump on this thing they kind of extrapolate what they want from it so i remember like with the with um with like the necrophilia tweet like there's all this stuff about you know um i i remember like reading something about how like oh you know this is kind of leftist discourse or like ooh discourse it's like sort of been (laughs) taken to a different thing and it's kind of like uh, kind of but not 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 really it's kind of it's a very it's a different sort of phenomena that i am still kind of struggling to sort of like describe to me it feels kind of like part of this trend where the internet turns everything into like astrology and so like it's like the rise of like political compass memes where right. it's like any sort of belief or ideology becomes something wearable and like and like something that's basically just like a personality quiz so when that starts to happen like you can just like move 
concepts around. And so like, I can totally see someone who's just like, yeah, I'm INFJ Slytherin Marxist. And I totally think that like necrophilia is cool because private property is bad because like nothing means anything because you're just like a word salad of like ideological identifiers. <laughs> yeah. It's the same as the, the, the Tumblr witch who dug up all the bones. It's, it's the, the idea, but also, and this is, this is actually super important. It's the, that many people who say this stuff are trying to find a more righteous position. Like there is, there is an element of that. Like it's almost com- being competitively righteous. And what it actually has the impact of doing is it alienates people from the genuine positions around that of being like, hey, we should think about essentially being on the left. Like, because this is where it always comes from. Uh, and it just becomes right. like a, a comedic, uh, 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 comedically far. The, you, you push it comedically far and therefore... Uh, you diminish the concept of being on the left. I'm not going to like expose who the person who tweeted this out is, but I do want to say, but like in his like Twitter at, it does like say yeah, like Yowie. Oh, so uh, for listeners, that's uh, that's the <laughs> homosexual variant of hentai. So the wait, this is so wait, this is it's not just it's not this just is actually it's, it's, part of it's also just boy like boy like boy love in different forms. Yeah, um, this is also proving um, one of my favorite internet laws, which is Bidoof's law. Which is the idea that if you find someone saying completely insane shit on the internet and you click through in their profile, they will absolutely be addicted to hentai. Yeah, <laughs> this explains. Yeah, this explains a lot about uh, about my account. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm like oh, I'm reading it. I I think that like I, I don't I, I don't know whether I don't know whether you guys agree with this, but I also think that just kind of like the proliferation of a kind of like leftist like leftist kind of conversations and discourses like really informs this tweet as well. Cause I don't know, like conversations about like property rights and property ownership and what constitutes property. Um, and by extension, like, you know, what constitutes like material power and all that stuff, like that's sort of been like a staple of the past few years, but I think in particularly like the past kind of couple of years as well. So the idea of mm. like, you know, you, you know, the whole like meme about like, you know, this thing is praxis and stuff like that, or like even the notion of like posting being practice, a uh, bit being right. being practice, kind of being both sort of taken seriously by some people, but kind of ridiculed by like other kind of faction, like leftists in like fashion, factionalized Twitter space. And I do kind of think that this might be a subset of that sort of discourse, like taking over a particular, like taking over like a lot of Twitter, but kind of ex- like expressing it in different ways. Yeah, that makes sense. Where it's like, we're going to take every single thing that exists and we're going to try to filter it through the lens of whatever like strain of leftism we care about just to see what happens. And Yeah. And I think there's like a moral, I think there's like a kind of like moralizing incentive towards that as well. Right. It's the idea that like, if you can sort of like recognize power relations and if you can recognize the kind of like invisible forces that, um, you know, ascribe like class relations, then like you're kind of an ally or you're like you're on the right side and stuff and like inevitably that sort of like stretches out to everything from like sexual relations to um like even kind of really dumb and mundane things like stealing memes as like becoming like part of like class you know i don't want to say that that's like a dumb thing you know i know i i understand that some of some of your listeners are, like the finest meme creators are... memes are labor <laughs> he's saying right but just like you know yeah just like the fact that like so many things are like late like what constitutes labor and also bearing in mind but like when we're talking about like online culture and like the production of like content like we're also talking about a particular area that doesn't have like you know traditional kind of marxian class dynamics like 
that run through it, right? It's like a type of production that right. doesn't actually have like a means of production. And therefore it's kind of like a bit of a wild west, how you like ascribe like traditional leftist theory to kind of posting in content. And that's why I think you end up with like kind of quite bizarre content like this. That makes sense. But, I buy that. But would you eat people? I would. <laughs> um, oh, it would depend. You know, I, I saw this post the other day about the cannibal sandwich. Tell, say more. Have you seen that? It's like an American. You, put one, you eat one non-cannibal in between two other can- two cannibals? No, 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 no. So it's called the cannibal sandwich. And it's like, it's really popular, I think, in like one American state. And oh, Wisconsin just banned right. this because it's dangerous or something, right? <laughs> and there were like a bunch of people that were like, no, I've eaten raw meat my entire life. and I've Oh, the raw meat shit? Oh, yeah. yeah no, this is fucking crazy. Was, they call it the- Hold on. There was, a, there was a guy who like described how he made his cannibal sandwich. And it actually like looked pretty good. It was like, yeah, I like squeezed some lemon on it, cracked some pepper, put some like, you know, uh, put some like crunchy red onion, like maybe I some mean, dressing. People, people eat beef tartar. Like yeah. you can't eat raw beef. I just, I would trust- Man, I was going to say, I trust French raw beef more than I trust American raw beef. And I yeah. don't know if either of those. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't think okay, wait, can. hold on. I'm I'll, trying I'll to go, get I'll like... I'll go like German raw beef. They seem like they know what they're doing. I'm trying to get like just a, a good <laughs> recipe for this thing. Just so we, just for clarity of the show. And all I'm getting is that it's just raw meat. So It's raw ground beef on bread with sliced onion, salt, and pepper. And oh, a, yeah. And a bit there of lemon if you're feeling fancy. So that's actually like a very common dish here in Brazil. Like a yeah. like a, a bit of uh, raw beef served. I, I, for the record, I would also not eat it in Brazil. The beef here is very good. I, I I've actually had I've had Whoa. it. It's um it's it's served at Lebanese places here. It's like a Lebanese Brazilian dish where it's how like is it raw... gone by Lebanon? <laughs> oh, there's a huge Lebanese population in, Sa- no, in Sao Paulo. No, I get Paolo, that so. bit. I just don't understand how it's gone from Wisconsin to Lebanon to Brazil. Well, I I assume Luke that. Many countries and cultures have realized that you can eat raw meat if you prepare it properly. Yeah, which is which is just, which is the same. If you're gonna like be a cannibal, like just prepare the meat properly. Like if 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 like that if the Hannibal like TV show taught us anything, and I've, I haven't seen the TV show. I've only seen the cooking like segments. You know, like the cooking compilations they have. Do on you YouTube. only watch the cooking scenes from Hannibal? Yeah, because it's on YouTube. Because it was on YouTube, and like I was just kind of like, and I was fascinated by like. The, the 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 thing that he does with like the clay you know like he, he oh. like makes a dish like using a clay pot and i was like hmm, that's like yeah that's pretty interesting um i wonder if like the binging with babish like guy has done like a version of that i feel like he it's might like, have done it's that, like it? human tagine yeah i would i mean i was thinking about the guy on reddit who made leg tacos for his friends oh, and that was, like, oh my god I, that was one of the best things. It was consensual cannibalism, and that to me just feels like fine. If if everyone's cool, no one's dying. You're, I think that you're not yeah. breaking any laws. I think it's fine. See, that's how you end up on the slippery slope. But that is genuinely one of the best posts I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, my fe- my fear would be that you get a taste for it, and then you discover it's the best thing you ever had, and then you just need it all the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but like, if you have a foot. If you have like a lump of human flesh, it's your own flesh. You can do that. Help what you want. How you want with it? Making tacos. It makes sense. I mean, I would have, I, I would have like done some separate bits just so you can like get a pure taste and like then season it and you know experiment. But I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of that. I don't really buy the fact that you could be addicted to human meat for like the reason that like when we talk about addictive foods, we often talk about like things that have like specific chemical properties that are designed to kind of like keep you addicted. 
And I right. don't think that like and when you like pre- Mountain Dew, right? <laughs> uh, so the kind sponsors of this show, I'm hoping. Um, That's right. And uh, or like yeah, or like a crisp like Monster Energy Silver um, on on a on a warm day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like with human with like meat or like human meat and stuff like that, like you know, yeah, I'm sure like if you prepare it, it's going to taste like great. But it'll taste great in the same way that, like, you don't get addicted to, like, meals at fancy restaurants. You kind of acknowledge that that was, like, a really great meal. And, like, maybe sometime in the future I'll have it again. So I don't think that you can get addicted to human meat. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think the ethics of eating, like, your own foot are, like, the same as, like, having sex with your own clone. Where it's, like, it's nobody's (laughs) business. And, like, you could do whatever you – if you want to amputate your hand and eat it, like, no one can stop you. Like, whatever. It's your hand. For the record, I think you should stop having sex with your human clone. No, I'm never going to stop having sex with my clone. <laughs> I'll keep making more clones. That, that's when you like start to unfurl your kind of don't tread on me flag. Um, but instead of the snake, I want two versions of yourself. Well, don't, don't tread on us. <laughs> I want to move to New Hampshire with my clone, harvest it for parts, eat the or- eat the parts, have sex with the stuff. Okay, I'm getting out of I'm getting out of hand here. I'm going to share my first okay. bad post of the year with you guys, and I'm okay. going to share it with you because it's it's. I figured you two would kind of stick to Twitter, so I brought non-Twitter stuff. Okay, that's good. This is a Great. this is and these are posts that mainly uh, throughout the year I just couldn't find a way to put in the garbage <laughs> day because they were like too much. Um, so here is the first one. It's uh, screenshots from a 4chan thread that I am floored by. And it's the the first post is playing gra- Pokemon in memory of Grandma, R.I.P. Grandma, and it appears to be a guy playing Pokemon on a Nintendo Switch in a funeral home. And then the next <laughs> comment is, "Oh my good, the casket in the back." Then the next one is, "This is a joke, right?" And then the last post is uh, definitely a dead body in a casket with a switch in front of its face with Pokemon on it. And the caption says, "Showing Grandma my shiny Dusk Noir, which is a uh, ghost type Pokemon." Can I just can I just say that like both the look of Dusk Noir and the fact that it's called Dusk Noir, like, is this like very unimaginative? I don't know, like. I just, I just, oh. I just feel like lots that's of that's like, what you're gonna focus. That's what you're focusing on in all of this. Is look, you're focusing on I, the originality if, of the Pokemon name. If I was gonna show my dead grandma like a Pokemon, it would be like a really cool one. Like I don't know, like a shiny Machamp or like a Charizard or something. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or like, or like Mew. Remember, like when Mew was like a big thing. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, uh, I really, I want a Mew now, but they're really hard to get, and I didn't want to pay the extra money to get it in Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. So. This to me is indicative of a larger thing, though, that I wanted to talk about, which is sort of like the post-Trumpification of 4chan and like what's happening on 4chan right now. And I feel like we're at this really interesting moment where like 4chan kids are like using the site as the way it was intended, which is not to be like neo-Nazis, but to do whatever this is. Yeah, and I'm not saying that this is much better, but I'm. It is interesting to me that like they're going back to the old ways. It's different. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the question I have is like, what board was this on? Because I think that like, I don't, I don't, I haven't really been on 4chan for a while, but when I kind of did dip in and out, like B was still like relative, like the random board was still like pretty, it wasn't kind of like filled with the same type of like Nazi vitriol as like Paul was. And when I've gone back to like Paul mm. now, 
it feels like there's a lot of kind of like meltdowns and a lot of kind of like doom and memes and stuff. Um, a lot of people like trying to become like trad Catholics and everything. Oh um, yeah, so like, and all yeah, that. Yeah, so like you know, cope stuff. But like, be kind of. I don't think B ever went that far. I'm sure like, I don't know, maybe you guys know better, but like, you know, I kind of think that there was still like a spirit of this cipher posting on there. It's just like no one really paid attention to it. I think it definitely existed in other places. Like, like CK, the cooking board is like a complete, like just like vortex of madness. And I suspect that this post was on VG, which was the video games board, if I had to guess. Mm. And they've always been like, Low level Gamergate, but like never to like the same degree as B or Pole. Yeah. B to me, I think has had like a very lost five years. And I, 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 I don't know where it's headed. And I don't even know if like we need 4chan. Like I, so I am probably of the rare variety of people who believe that like in the beginnings of the internet, 4chan did serve like a social function, which was like a p- pressure release valve of the internet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we need that anymore. Like, I, I, I think we may have evolved past the need for a, like an anonymous message board, but who knows? I mean, like my favorite anonymous message board is Parlor, where I where I go under the name Cool Guy Sixty Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, that's right. Yeah. You uh, you run Pierce Morgan's Parlor <laughs> account. Um, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, this is kind of, it's a, it's like a very grim post, but it's like a grim post that I would have found really funny when I was like 14. Like I would be obsessed with this post when I was 14. And it's kind of like, when I look at this, I'm kind of like remembering the, remembering the days of like good internet where I would like browse on 4chan until like my LimeWire download of like Jar Rule would, would be like finishing. Yes. Mesmerized. That was my, that was my favorite Jar Rule song. (laughs) Um... Yeah, or like one of like the crazy remixes and stuff. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like I'm kind of, I'm, I'm now just looking at the picture of like the dead grandmother and I'm kind of <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, and like, once again, like disclaimer, like you, nothing on 4chan is real. And yeah. if this is real, like we all grieve in different ways. Well, can I say something um, also just about like how this also shows kind of like, this is really a good example of posting brain as well, right? It's the idea that like, yes. if you kind of come from a very particular place, you can turn anything into content. And it's all kind of based on like how your brain has become rewired to like <laughs> see things in different ways. So you can go to like the most grim things. You can, you can like be in like the most grim situation or like one of the darkest situations. And you'll just be thinking of like, shit post and doing like you know fellas is it gay to uh gay to touch your granddad's like bussy uh I, I really worry about the idea that like i'm one day i'm going to be in like a serious accent accident or something and i'll be like i've lost a leg and then i'll <laughs> go to like take a photo of my own stump because i'm like okay but this is gonna be a great tweet like yeah no you've you lost your leg because i'm eating it <laughs> right 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 yeah exactly but like you know it's that thing of just being like like I'm really worried that like uh, yeah yeah I'm gonna be like putting on on the gurney going into the ambulance they're like yeah. oh my god he's gonna he's like one second just take a photo of the leg because yeah I've got this great idea it'll work it'll work and then also you'll tweet it and I get like three likes maybe one retweet and and that'll be it and that'll be the mm. worst part of it I mean I think it also kind of comes from this place of like you know the type of like hyper ironization and the type of like real. Um, I don't know, but it's it's kind of it's also just like this rejection of a type of like encouragement to be overly sincere on social media, right? So like I don't know if you guys have seen these types of posts where it's kind of, you know, where it's where it sort of like berates like young 
men in particular of like not being able to be like sincere or like vulnerable and like hiding behind like dark ironic humor and everything and how like this is actually inherently problematic because it kind of uh it 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 facilitates um or at least kind of like encourages things like you know abuse and doxing and stuff like that and i can i can sort of see where that comes from but i think at the same time this is also um i think that's also kind of led way to a is to a particular kind of posting which tries to kind of like appropriate really really dark things like i don't i don't know whether like back in 2000 like back in like early kind of 4chan dates whether there were actually like limits i know that i know that when i was first introduced to b i was introduced to it as like this is like the dustbin of the internet and like you shouldn't expect any sort of civility here but really like the idea is that like it you know as you said like it's a kind of pressure valve so there's like one place that does this but you can go to millions of other places that don't whereas i feel right. like lots of that kind of tendency now exists on like every forum so whether you go on like bodybuilders.com or like mumsnet i guess those are bad examples but like i <laughs> i was like mumsnet on- the bodybuilding forum <laughs> of the uk <laughs> but i was i was like on this i was on this um i was on this like bird watchers forum uh don't ask why i was on a bird watchers forum i was on a hey, bird watchers forum i wasn't going to hey man you're watching <laughs> the birds that's 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 cool yeah, that's, that's it. It. i was looking yeah. that's how we roll yeah. in the uk we love I was, watching birds. i was looking for some top birds and there was like you know there was kind of like accusations of like identity politics and like social justice warrior culture and stuff there as well um so i feel like there are kind of facets of this type of posting everywhere you go um which kind of like almost makes me kind of even desensitized to kind of just how grim this post is yes i mean i i should it's no secret that when i saw this i thought this was extremely funny and it didn't it like took a second to like register that this was like bad to me. um <laughs> Speaking of bad, Hussein, yeah. what do you got for I us? I have another what's post. Your, what's your next bad post? Right, we're going back to Twitter. Um, we okay. are, and we're going to talk about columnists. We are going to talk about columnists, but in particular, we're going to talk about one specific columnist called Jennifer Rubin. Um, oh boy. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this oh place that. Right. So on April 20th, Andrew Cuomo posted the picture of uh, Sunday dinner, Cuomo style. Um, they are sitting at this very large table, uh, him and his kids. And oh God, that was a really weird fucking post. And his boyfriend, they have just eaten spaghetti and meatballs, I assume. Um, yeah. Andrew Cuomo is kind of like sitting at like the dad chair, like a little bit kind of like with his like shrugged shoulders and stuff. It's, 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 it's They're sitting very, very awkwardly. Um, Jennifer Rubin comments, the boyfriend in quotation marks looks nice. And the girl seems to have eaten their spaghetti and meatballs, exclamation mark. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird tweet. It's a very weird tweet but i think it also the reason why i find this like an interesting worst post is also just because of like the nature of who jennifer rubin is as kind of like a well-known columnist um yeah i mean it's, it's also the nature it's also the nature of who, who andrew cuomo is before we get deeper into this hussein can you can you give people kind of like a quick like a like a quick couple sentences about who jennifer rubin is for 
because for content minds listeners, I'm not sure if they're totally in the like dunking on columnist Twitterverse. So like, give us some background. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, the, the weird thing is, I don't know too much background about Jennifer Rubin other than that, like she is, uh, she's a columnist at the Washington Post who um, is a Republican and is kind of like one of those like never Trumper Republicans. She's um, a sensible centrist. Yeah, so she kind of presents all the best people are. She posits herself as like mm. a, sens- a sensible centrist, but also she does very weird posts, like the way in which she posts is kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just kind of like very, even kind of things that seem very normal are just kind of very strange. I don't know whether it's just because of like, she has this avatar, her like Twitter picture, just like, she looks really uncomfortable in like her photograph. Like she doesn't want to get, so like that sort of adds to it. And I think there's also just kind of in this particular moment where I feel like anyone who tries to like humanize from humanize the GOP in any kind of capacity is kind of, like they they can only do so in really weird ways because it's really hard to like redeem anyone in that faction. So the idea that like someone does it for a living um, is really kind of absurd to most people. So I think like the combination of like who she is and how she's known on Twitter, plus just like the general aesthetics of this post make it like a very weird thing, which even though it sort of seems a little bit like innocuous and like plain, like it's one of the ones that have sort of, that's sort of like been stuck in my head for ages. I mean, I think mm. it's a particularly because the post she's replying to, which is a photo of Andrew Cuomo, who it turns out terrible person who could have ever doesn't, guessed. No, no, Luke, it doesn't, it turns out. Anyone from New York could have told you during this entire year that he's not like a hero. He's not a funny guy. He's like an abusive lunatic who like let all the old people die and spent the entire pandemic making weird charts and like showing off his like possible nipple rings. Like I hate like I hate this guy. <laughs> okay, from 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 me and Hussein, have you met the UK? Because we have Look, that, and but are significantly worse. Um, but I think Nigel Farage's nipple rings look fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but he has, he has. So the thing is, she's replying to a tweet by Andrew Cuomo, and Andrew Cuomo has three identical-looking daughters. Like they might as well be the same person. Which, sure, okay, man's got strong genes. I don't fucking know. But additionally, it's him in this end chair, and he's sitting at the head of the table. Yeah. Uh, with for some reason with a glass of coke which yeah coke with dinner coca-cola with dinner yeah <laughs> even as a person who has like a serious problem with like drinking far too much variants of diet coke or coke or whatever we want to call it mm. uh he for some reason looks like a fucking vampire at the end of this table with a bottle of black shirt like chair that goes up behind his back like he's probably sitting on a throne and then yeah a load of spaghetti and meatballs and then just him looking down the camera like he's 10,000 years old but drinks enough blood before he goes out on stage this is the quintessential American dining room what you're talking about (laughs) is how all all this dining room is missing is just like a bunch of Domino's pizza boxes or something (laughs) you know like this is the suburbs this is what it Mm. is I think like also just like spaghetti like where she says that, like, um, and they've eaten their spaghetti and meatballs. Um, it's just like, I don't know, it's such a weird thing to say. It's just like, why can't you just say, look, the dinner looks good? Why why, why do you have to be so specific? It, yeah, it's, re- it's revealing specifically that not only has she seen the picture and been like, looks good, as like a throwaway comment. She's like, I've, yeah. I'm going to zoom in on the faces of everyone around this table and yeah. then check all of their plates to see who has eaten their dinner. Yeah. And also to just like, who, yeah. 
Yeah. And also just the quotation mark, the boyfriend as well. Yeah, which is, is quotation mark, space, capital letter, T, the boyfriend, end quotation marks. And it's like... Uh. Um, like, well, yeah. I mean, I assume it's also part of this thing where, like, for centrists, all politics are just fan fiction. So, like, you know, because, like, there's no there's no stakes for them. So, I, like, it's just, like, no, fun they, no, to be no, like... No, they had, they had meatballs. What? They had meatballs, not steaks. Oh, for gosh. <laughs> okay, Luke, what did you... What's your next one here? All right, uh, so mine is about worms. <gasps> okay. I know this one. Okay, yeah, okay. All right, so uh, a podcast called... Just just the zoo of us which is a fun podcast about animals tweeted uh-huh. um what is the most oh, like... overhyped animal <laughs> oh <laughs> yes. a guy who is who is a, a perfectly normal guy who you know is a scientist and is interested in insects said c elegans which apparently is a, a normal roundworm uh they wiggle forward they wiggle backwards and occasionally they fuck themselves that's it that took like four days of people yelling at each other about how the worms were actually good. You can't be mad at worms for being boring because they're interesting, like metaphysically. Uh, it can be an amazing model system, but still an incredibly boring creature. Um, then defending the idea that the worm community has the right to be sensitive over these issues. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Then, yeah, someone else saying, uh, it made me really sad because I've heard this a lot from people who couldn't accept my choices to study worms well um, i mean you chose cool. to be a worm scientist like yeah, <laughs> yeah i think exactly i think this is i'm gonna blame this on the coronavirus i think i think that the, that the coronavirus locked everyone inside their homes and they had way too much free time and this biologist was like you know what i'm gonna pop off about worms because i've had it and i've been waiting years to do this and now i'm just gonna get all this beef out there and i think that's what this i think that's what this is mm. yeah it definitely feels like kind of like contained frustration that like just kind of a long period of like being incubated kind of like you can only can only really emerge from there and i guess also just like i don't know um just the need to kind of fight someone yeah it's like how every couple weeks like the entire internet discovers that white people don't take showers correctly in some way and then they all fight about it like (laughs) we don't wash our legs or we don't wash our backs or whatever it is and then everyone's like that's crazy and then the whole everyone fights about whether or not you take a shower after uh you go in the pool or whatever yeah but it became a thing about like people argue about how people marginalized in science they were dismissive of things that 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 various people did and it's one of these things where i understand all the words and all the, the 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 contours of the argument but i just do not understand why we're arguing about worms because why not luke why not argue about worms there's nothing else to do <laughs> it's nothing there is nothing about the model organisms it's the support the privilege we're given by other privilege to a seeming simple joke or microaggression that might occur in the workplace this is an allegory and i'm like i don't think it is someone also said well, jokes are microaggressions which is I guess true. That's true. All jokes are a form of violence. That's right. I want yeah. that yeah. to be that's, very clear. That's, that's right. Um, speaking of violence, Luke Hussein, I have something to show you. And okay. this is my next post. Oh, great! It's a, it's a, non, it's a non-Twitter one as well. Uh, You've been very. Uh, yeah. I don't want this. No, it's a it's a Reddit post. It's just the screenshots uh, on top. Okay. So oh it's a screenshot God. from oh Reddit's r neoliberal, and the post is titled "2020 the Anime," oh. and it's animated versions of a bunch of people in the Democratic Party, and it has the protagonist as anime Joe Biden, 
his companion as anime Kamala Harris, his sensei anime. Okay, I need to. I can, sorry, can we stop here right here? I need to talk about Kamala Harris. Apparently, this is he's white and red haired. Oh yeah, they did some serious racist skin lightening on her anime avatar. Then it's anime Obama as a sensei, but it's Obama wearing a, a cowboy hat, uh, like Knuckles the Echidna style hat. I think that's actually better. Uh, what? <laughs> that's actually better. It's not. It's a fallen I think hero who aids the, him as being like. Hillary I can't Clinton. tell because they all have the same colored skin. So Hillary is, Clinton is the fallen hero who aids him. Is the anti-hero Here's who the helps crazy. with shadows? Like he looks like Glenn Greenwald. He does it's look like Bloomberg. Glenn Greenwald. It's it's Michael Bloomberg. The anti-hero is, is Bloomberg? Yeah, the anti-hero helps from the shadows. I went to the original thread. It's Michael hmm. Bloomberg. A very like odd choice of words. <laughs> very odd. The antagonist is anime Donald Trump. Who looks really hot. And then the annoying comic relief is Bernie Sanders. Which anime, is, uh, anime Donald Trump in this particular section looks really hot. Like really good. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I need to make the case that the anti-hero helps from the shadows and then ascribing that to a Jewish person is probably a problem. Yeah, I mean, also, it just like doesn't make sense for Bloomberg because he didn't even help from the shadows. He didn't do anything. <laughs> In fact, he did the opposite. Yeah, he. I mean, I guess like, would you watch this anime, Hussein? Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because it's like, okay, so here's the reason why. It would it would be one of those stupid things that only Netflix would like Netflix anime would commission because they've got like a lot of cash <laughs> to burn. And I'm a real sucker for like the Netflix anime stuff. Um. Mm. Like. Yeah, um, you know that you know that, but like they're all really forgettable. Like you know that anime, the Greek, where is it like the god, like god, like god of Zeus, like something like that? Or I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the, I've seen the the trailer for it. Yeah, and I kind of like watched a bunch of episodes of that, and like the fact that I can't remember its name is sort of just like telling of how of how of how good yeah. I thought it was. Like things like Castlevania, which like I've actually surprisingly really been getting into. Um, yeah, I also kind of I don't know I like. It's so kind of bizarre that I would watch it. But the thing that I find interesting about this is the fact that actually, like, the anime rendering has been done really well. Like, the Hillary Clinton anime girl, like, you know, um, uh, image is, like, actually really good. Like, it's been done really well. Um, so this is actually a Snapchat filter. Yeah. Because I saw, like, a bunch of people, like, having them and, like, putting them in their avvies and stuff. And I was like, I really want one, but I don't want to, like, download another app to do it. No, I don't want... I don't want to... <laughs> I mean, I don't want to use Snapchat. I, I think the Bernie Sanders one looks like very much like an old anime man which i found very impressive he should he, yeah yeah he would definitely be like in a conventional anime he would be the sensei right he'd be master roshi yeah no he's and like comic relief in this one so and like the then the obama character would be like the nemesis who has like cool gun tricks it, um, see, it seems like what you're saying here is that, that trump should be the protagonist no, I think no. no. Trump Trump would be like the guy who runs the shady corporation that's like behind all the kind of like mysterious uh mysterious things happening in like the uh the Okinawan village where this is set. Yes. I would agree. He's like he's like the shogunate. <laughs> um or he's like Zex Marquis from Gundam Wing. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. God, I can't I, I didn't even remember that. Wow. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's not like a cringe post or anything. It's kind of, but it's just kind of, um, it is a very 2020 post in the sense that like, number one, there were lots of anime filters. And number two, um, <laughs> it kind of like has this like tinge of phrenology to it, which I think like lots of, uh, lots of like 2020 things ended up kind of veering towards. Like every sort of phenomena ended up becoming some sort of like phrenological practice. Say more. What do you mean by that? Uh, well, I think just like in the sense of like, okay, so I'm thinking about things like um, Q angle and like the green line and stuff. Um, like also all the discourse about like 
age uh, age gaps and everything um it kind of like always veered like all the discourse like had this either kind of veered towards it or it had like an offshoot which was like intrinsically about like biology and like human biological difference um and like on trash future we have this joke about how like almost every kind of like dumb stars that we review ends up kind of becoming some sort of like phrenological practice anyway right because it kind of wants as much of like your personal data as it can and like it will kind of measure everything from like your sleep to like the size of like your your, you know the the size between like the gaps of your fingers and stuff um right so for me it's very much like oh like you know there's like a very problematic racial component to like racialized component to this um but it's also like a very 2020 phenomenon so like yeah okay why not hmm yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Hussein, do you got one more? I do for us? have one, and it's like I've been saving this one. I've been saving okay. this one. Okay. Because every time I see it, I'm just kind of like, I've got to take a deep breath. Um, okay. Okay. It's a, I'm ready. it's a short one. It's a short one. I'm not going to name the person um, because they're not a blue check, but you will immediately recognize what I'm talking about. Okay. Wanting petite women is rooted in pedophilia, but okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, god damn it. Oh, god damn it. Uh. That's right. I mean, look, we had like a lot of like pedophile discourse this year, right? Yeah, we, we had so like everything, everything, like everything is somehow connected to pedophiles right. in 2020. It's so yeah. exhausting. Um, and this was like, this was just like a very interesting, this was just a very interesting place because it took that kind of like pathology of like obsession with pedophiles and like shady pedophiles in, uh, like everywhere you see, but it also kind of like, you know, as we were talking about earlier, it kind of places it in this very strange type of like discourse around like what consent is and what like power relations are in relationships. Um, and it just like really extrapolates it. So a conversation that becomes like, um, you know, the, I can't, I can't remember those. There, there was a celebrity story about like a, um, uh, a celebrity guy who was like in his forties and he started dating like a 21, 22 year old or something like that. Right. Um, mm. like a little bit sus, but kind of, you know, not, 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 not pedophilia. <laughs> um, but that kind of like spurred this whole conversation about like, oh, even if you kind of like, even if you are dating someone who is not within like the age bracket of being a minor because of that age gap difference, you are a pedophile. And then it kind of, it goes into discourses, you know, there was like, sure. <laughs> on, on like, on like YA, on like, you know, young adult fiction, like Twitter, like this yes. happens all the time where it's like, you know, two characters who aren't even kind of like sexually involved, but because of the age gap, it's kind of like, you know, they'll kind of accuse the writer of, you know, promoting, um like pedophilia or like you know possibly something worse and i feel like this type of discourse has really dominated um a particular section of like progressive like of of progressive twisted but it like takes its inspiration from this wider cultural context of like moral like moral panics around like pedophilia and nonsense and stuff so i've written a little bit about this and and it's something that i've been tracking this year as well and I think it's really interesting where it's like, it's like this Gen Z sex negative movement. (laughs) And my personal theory is that it's based on the fact that Gen Z were kids liking the TV shows that like gross bronies were like fetishizing five, six years ago. 
And so now that they're like in college, there's, you know, they're looking around and saying like, why are fandom spaces so pervy? And why is there like no boundaries? And why is the internet like bombarding me with pornography and all of this stuff? And they're, they're they also know a lot of social justice language. Yeah. So like, it just starts to like warp mm-hmm. together. And I think that's like, absolutely what's happening here i also think that this is true that only real men date gigantic women yeah like 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 the biggest women possible there's um there's um, a, yeah seven foot well, well there was more. a variation of this tweet that came a couple of months before this which was or i think it was like maybe a month before this where it was just like um it's a bit sus to date someone who uh has a shoe size below uh six well okay. that's fucking insane <laughs> And the thing is, though, is this what this basically is, is the rise of the ability for people to understand what consent is. Yeah. Like, like uh, yes. this is going over the top. The idea that it eventually swings the other way is like probably not a bad thing generally. Mm. Guys, I do want to warn everyone that we are three yeah. men on a podcast about to talk about the politics of consent, and that is dangerously close to like Joe Rogan in self territory. Yeah, let me, let me just go, like, so. grab my vape, and we can continue. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I don't know. I think I think uh, in order to not have the conversation, the general thing is is that the idea that consent is the thing that can be both negotiated and understood and uh, uh, pronounced is like a better thing than where we have been for a long time. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe the pendulum is going in a just like weird direction, but it's probably a direction that's generally better than where it has been for a pretty long time. Well, yeah, so I, I kind of we yeah. kind of have to like live with it for a while. Like, I, I just I just sort of wanted to add that like when I was like, so I have the original post of uh, the tweet, and like she sort of clarifies it um, further down the line by saying that like you know what I'm what I'm actually calling out are the men who have weird preferences, like caring about what size your shoe is, like your your feet are, or like um caring about like the physicality of the woman um as well as you know so she wasn't like trying to kind of like shame anyone and like yeah. stuff like that um again right. it's one of those things where it's like okay i can kind of see what you're trying to say but it almost kind of gets lot like when you post it on twitter it sort of gets lost in this like weird ether where like various discourses are still sort of like taking place and um like confronting each other and sort of like being like meshing into each other and that's sort of why like yeah it's because it's because the platform runs on context collapse. Right, it's like part of the way the platform works is like it it exists to destroy whatever you meant because yeah. it gets like but more I, engaged. But I think like way. you know to, to go back to like the original question of this pod, which was like, well, what kind of like how do we like define what a bad post is? And I'm kind of increasingly more of the opinion that like I don't think a bad post really exists because I don't do bad posts, obviously. But um, it's also just because, like, if you think about what a post is kind of, like, set out to do, which is, you know, you're supposed to be talking to, like, your followers. So, like, they exist within a particular, like, social cultural context and, like, within a geographical one as well. And the idea should be, like, like, at least initially, that you would just be really talking to people who decided to follow you. And now that that doesn't really happen anymore, um, like, you're completely right. Like, you can put out a point which, like, you know, is kind of designed for at least discussion or interrogation and it's kind of immediately kind of immersed or engulfed into like other discourses that are sort of like already happening with like key players and stuff in there which is why eventually like the original post ends up getting like lost and it becomes this like 
you know, when we talk about like cultural, really, that's what we're talking about, right? It kind of just in- integrates into this huge thing. And like the result of that is like the original poster sort of just like gets inundated for a few days. And, you know, often they all end up getting like harassed and abused and like possibly even like deciding to just like go off the platform entirely. Um, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, I, I kind of like, that's kind of where I am. So even though this is like objectively like a bad and kind of weird post, it's also, I, I do also feel sorry for her as well yeah um because even kind of if you look at like even when she's sort of like clarifying her points the original post got like 12.9 thousand quote tweets and the clarification got 614 and i don't think it's an accident that we're talking about a tweet from like a young woman like i mean that that more often than not like that's who are the targets of this sort of thing and i think part of it is obviously the polarization of the internet and, like, the fact that, like, there are roving gangs of, like, bullies who just, like, use whatever dumb thing you say. Like, the Bodega tweet from mm-hmm. a while ago to, like, make whatever cause they care about come into focus. But I also think that Twitter facilitates that by its very yep. nature because, like, it gets people fighting and fighting people consume more ads. Yep. Yep. Uh, Luke, you, you got one last one oh, for I us? I don't. I thought we were only doing two. I'll be pretty honest. <laughs> no, it's all right. I have I have one last one. Um, and I only wanted to bring this up because I was asked recently, like, what was the worst thing I saw on the internet? And I was like, I'm kind of in the same headspace as Hussein where I, I, I sort of feel like I'm becoming like post bad content. Like I, I, I feel like there, there's no such thing anymore. Was it, because, not, like, was it not like this picture I sent you of like the Sonic that was in like a piss was, was like engulfed in a piss cup. It wasn't in it, the Sonic <laughs> figurine wasn't in a jar of piss. It was in like Amberite. Oh. It was like, it was like one of those. I, I looked more closely at the photo that you told me was a photo of a Sonic figurine in a jar of piss, and it turned out he's saying it wasn't in a jar of piss. So I'm peddling, um, peddling fake, yeah, peddling fake news. But someone was like, "What's like the most notable thing from this year or whatever?" And the thing that I keep coming back to is the guy on Mastodon who was eating gorilla food. Are you guys familiar with this? No, no I forgot. No. Mas- I forgot Mastodon was a thing. So Mastodon is very big with Japanese pedophiles. Um, that's like its main user base. Wait, can, can I can I can I just like before you start? So Mast like the last time I heard of Mastodon, it was like left wing people were saying that you should join Mastodon because it's like a social network. Um, that kind of like you know uh, that where like people can organize and we don't have to like deal with like fucking alt right shitheads. So now you're saying that it's basically become a favorite platform for Japanese pedophiles. Well, uh, specifically Lollicon <laughs> uh, uh, enthusiasts, which are like men who enjoy like underage artwork of uh, uh, like artwork of underage girls. So that's like a big user base for Mastodon. But the, if, if you've never heard of Mastodon, the way it basically works is like imagine if Twitter or TweetDeck, that experience was set up like Discord. So you could basically create instances of like Twitter's. So it's like you have just one giant Twitter for everybody, and then you have another giant Twitter, another giant Twitter. So uh, at the very beginning of this year, like January, there was a guy who I became aware of thanks to a tweet. Which So the tweet reads, in case you're wondering what's going on in Mastodon, the current discourse is over a figure known as Pellets Guy who ordered a bag of gorilla food pellets and has been eating them in lieu of human food ever since. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're going to have to tell us how he did that because – did that work? I mean, gorillas need roughly the same amount of food as the same sort of food as humans, right? Like they're big apes. Congrats, Luke. We're now exactly having the <laughs> conversation that was happening I mean, on Mastodon as I'm people were trying to figure out whether or not you can live on gorilla food. So a follow-up tweet said, 
Also, some important bits of context for those not in the Fediverse, which is what Mastodon people call the federated universe of uh, social networks. Pellet's guy himself isn't on Mastodon that we know of. We're hearing about him secondhand, which makes it even more amazing. It's more just discussion than discourse. And then another tweet reads, Pellet's guy, who to our knowledge is not on Mastodon, has given my co- host his co-worker a dog bowl to eat out of that says eat up hungry boy on the inside he also made red bull that's thick as porridge there are pictures all on mastodon and when i wrote about this on my newsletter i got <laughs> photographs sent to me of the entire thing and it is like deeply incredible and the reason i wanted to bring it up is because i, I do feel like it speaks to something really important about 2020 which is that i feel like this is the first year in a big way that stuff isn't happening on the platforms that journalists hang out on and that people are like experimenting with like Mm. the other parts of the internet and are like trying to figure out like how to kind of like what you said, Hussein, where it's like, how do we organize? How do we congregate? How do we, how do we create stuff away from like mainstream internet users? It's also interesting because like usually when people talk about like examples of people like leaving Twitter and going to other platforms, um, they kind of refer to like, stuff like parlor and maybe gab and stuff like that where at least from my experience of like parlor um running piers morgan's account um i just kind of see i just like you know hey hey hussein hussein i will wire you one whole bitcoin if you change your twitter bio to the the head of Pierce Morgan's parlor. I would, I would do that. I mean, how much is a Bitcoin worth now? Um, there was a guy in my mentions. Oh, I think thousands of dollars. Do it. Do it. I don't have a Bitcoin. Um, Um, but yeah, like I was going to say that like, you know, on those platforms, it tends to be like people screenshotting tweets and it seems to sort of be like a reflection of like a particular corner of Twitter among people who kind of are sort of mad that like they either like don't get enough engagement or like they've been kind of banned forever. Um, And that's kind of like very different to platforms where like stuff is actually going on that's like sort of independent of Twitter discourse. Um, And like for the most part, when I think about that, I think of like platforms like TikTok. But like, you know, now I'm hearing that people are like mulling Red Bull and turning it into like like thick soup. And I was like, I was thinking about like, could you mull a monster energy? And like, should I do it? Um, So I I think you are arriving at an extremely lucrative strand of viral content that essentially yeah. every viral content site from about four years ago did do well here's well, here's my here's here's my question I think Shortlist which is that, did, a, yeah. did a very extensive one that was slightly disturbing here's like my, a lot of things my question is really about like you know is it are these types of platforms sort of going through a very similar life cycle to like platforms like twister and stuff where like it starts off as like this very fun place where lots of weird and kind of gross stuff happens and then as it kind of like scales up um, and becomes like more professionalized and becomes like very like much more vested interest in it. Does that is that when like mm. it you know you end up just kind of with the discourse channel? Because I feel I feel like with TikTok, for example, like maybe it's heading that way, or maybe we're kind of going to see like a like an iteration of it where as the platform kind of prioritizes scaling and prioritizes its kind of like influences and drivers, and you know you you know you know more about TikTok than yeah. I do, but it might kind of mean that it will undermine some of like the more fun elements that like we're seeing now in the same way that like i could argue that twitter was kind of fun back in like 2013 14 maybe 15 i'm not sure but like i would not describe it as fun at the moment i don't think it ever will be 
Well, I actually think it speaks to this thing that you wrote about on your newsletter, um, which everyone listening should definitely check out. But this idea of like content cops mm-hmm. and when you phrased it that way, it like kind of like, you know, like that scene in Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> where Aang like breaks open his like his avatar state when he hits the rock and it's just like, Ugh! like, I feel like when you phrase it that way, it like articulated something really, really important that I've been right. struggling with for like actually many years yeah. now. Well, I mean, yeah, I. I mean, I was just going to say that, like, the main thing, you know, you know the, the whole idea of, like, content cop is something that, like, I think is kind of instrumental to lots of the platforms that most people use right now. And I don't know if, like, you saw that Taylor Lorenz piece in the New York Times about, like, Perez Hilson and how, um, like, he, I think he got, like, banned from TikTok or something. But, like, his argument was that, like, uh, like big oh. influences and their, like, armies were kind of, were um, were basically behind TikTok's decision to get rid of him because ultimately they wanted to, like, please, like, their kind of, like, homegrown creators over this, like, TMZ guy. Um, and that, that yeah. could, I mean, that could be bullshit, I don't know, but I think it's very much, like, you know, okay, so the tendency of, like, Content Cop is still very present on these types of new platforms as well. It's happened a lot faster than like platforms like Twitter and everything. So are the platforms that people are going to be like more f- comfortable with or like will be, will see like more popular as ones like that are like much smaller and where like that type of like cop, like that type of like ubiquitous copying isn't that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of like talking myself in circles right now, but mm. no, I, I sort of like, I believe in this like utopian state of social networks where it's like people are left to govern themselves and express themselves and like create art and like have fun. And I sort of feel like there's this push and pull where the companies that run these things, they don't run them properly. So people start to like hurt each other. They start to fight or they start to like act in weird ways that are against their own interests. And then journalists do what journalists are supposed to do, which is they write about it. They investigate it. They sort of elevate that. They look at it. And then the, a lot of companies, what they should be doing is going like, oh, great. Yeah, we should probably change the way we're doing this. But instead, what they do is they say, oh, the journalists are just now going to do that job for us and we're not going to have to pay anyone. And we're just going to like keep this going. And every nine months, we'll do some sort of patch. But I suspect that younger people in particular, they don't want to have someone with a verified Twitter account in their mentions asking if they can like DM them questions for their Daily Mail right. article. They want to just be left alone to like shit post about cyberpunk 2077 in their discord channel. Mm. Like people want to be left alone. That's sort of my guiding principle of like onlineness. but that could also just be naive. I don't know. Maybe I could be like one of those like weird ponytail guys from San Francisco in the nineties who was like the internet's like LSD with a screen, man. I mean, I would say I'll make this very quick. Like I genuinely agree, but I also kind of the question that I sort of have, and I don't really have an answer to is like whether that type of privacy is really going to be allowed to exist anymore. I think that like, you know, cause again, I know we made mm. that joke about like jokes of violence and everything, but I think for like the tendency and like the very like real kind of thing about, okay, well things you write on social media and online, like do have material effects, right? They can yeah, material right. affect you both in terms of your reputation and your life, but also like, you know, and the whole kind of idea that we have on 10 K posts is that like, um, you know, everything is posting. I like, you're not just using posting brain as like a way of kind of guiding your life, but like posts also kind of guide the way in which like you make decisions and everything, whether you like it or not. So I think that like the notion of like the concept of like posts becoming like a private thing that you sort of just enjoy among like a small group of like anonymous friends, i.e. like forum culture and stuff. I don't think that's really like tenable 
as a type of online social organization anymore, which means that that type of like utopian ideal is really just that. It's kind of like a fantasy. And I kind of wonder what's going to happen when you do maybe have this like balkanization of platforms, but it's one where like there has to be a kind of like copying and surveillance element to that, whether that's like surveillance from the platform or surveillance from like actual participants. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that was a huge bummer. <laughs> well, we, we were having a great time and well, okay. No, but I think you're completely right. Um, and I think, I suspect 2021 will be a big year for how that surveillance apparatus starts to become clear. I mean, yeah. I just want like a sexy like cop outfit when I like police the, the, the Yaoi forum that, um, or the, the Yaoi forum that I'm going to, that I'm going to like be a member of next year. I just want a VTuber to dox me um, on stream. I want like a cute anime girl to put my phone number and address on stream and then have people swap my house. So to wrap things up, Hussein, we do a segment every week. We've been doing it every week since the last time you were on this podcast. It's called The Content You Consume to Stay Sane. So Hussein, was there any content that you consumed this week that helped you stay a little more sane than you Yeah, you're talking to me. I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, I I, I, like (laughs) go and look for stuff that like will break me inside. Um, Oh, God. Have you watched anything, read anything? Uh, I actually read, I'm reading like a physical book right now. Which is like a very big deal for me. Hey, yeah. that's content. Book, Books are books content. Are content. Book? I'm reading um, Debt by David Graeber. So David Graeber was a very famous anthropologist um, and social activist. He was like one of the instrumental people of the Occupy Wall Street movement. Um, and he wrote this great book about debt. And like really what it is, is just kind of like looking at how and what money is. Uh, from an anthropological perspective. Um, Mm. And it's interesting looking from it from that way because he kind of says at the beginning that like the exercise of an anthropologist is like to observe. So we actually like see how things happen rather than kind of like get bogged down in theory. And it's a very big book. So I'm not like, I'm kind of just about a quarter away through it. Um, But it's like a very interesting way of like looking at debt, especially at a time when like most of us are probably going to be looking at like another era of like austerity post-COVID. Yeah, my debt just makes more <laughs> debt. It's kind of nice, you know, just let it go. Um, Luke, is there anything that you've consumed this week that helped you stay um, sane? Can I talk about something I didn't consume this week and why I didn't consume it? Absolutely. Cyberpunk 2077. So you didn't play it? No, you haven't I haven't played it because I'm obsessed with how bad it is. But I, I, I'm I'm trying to put off like buying it because like, it's fucking expensive. It's, a, it's an expensive video game. But everything I've heard about it is so objectively awful that I'm kind of obsessed with. Have you heard about this, Ryan? Yeah, your penis can clip through your shorts, <laughs> yeah. I heard. Yeah, it can. I saw, the- I, saw the, I saw the letter that was going around, which was like, and it just started Dear Gamers, and I just like stopped yeah. after that. Yeah, they, 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 sent, <laughs> they sent out the world's first ever Dear Gamers letter. Um, yeah. They, uh. they also, basically any of these slightly older consoles, the way that they've designed it means that you don't, if you walk up to someone, you don't see their face for like five seconds until it loads. So you just you yeah oh. it's basically going it's basically like uh Goldeneye on the N64 but then if you stand there for long enough the graphics like pop in after like 5 seconds. Oh that's like that's really unfortunate. And I saw a thing today where someone uh shot someone 
again, it's one of these things, I don't know if this is real, but it sounds quite real. Someone shot some enemy that was trying to shoot them. They fell over and immediately turned into a patio set. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was just two garden um, chairs and a table. Uh, the New York Times tech reporter Mike Isaac uh, was doing a thread about like all of his discoveries as he was playing it, and he had this really great tweet where he said, "Running list of flaws in Cyberpunk: uh, Driving physics are all over the place. Car travel dr- genuinely unpleasant. Menus are confusing. Took me two days to figure out how to call someone. <laughs> Police AI system is broken. Accidentally clip someone with your car, and the whole city comes down on you." And I wanted to reply, "That's just also how like real life works." <laughs> phone calls are confusing the cops will kill you and driving in cars is kind of unpleasant <laughs> yeah no yeah so that's that's my that's my take is, is uh i i spent all week wondering whether i should buy it and eventually decided i should not buy it or play it because it seems awful and i've quite enjoyed watching people struggle i really enjoy when gamers are upset i feel like uh <laughs> gamers don't deserve to be happy so, yeah, i mean they've also like chosen that like ever since like 2014 they've chosen to be like fucking miserable all the time this game was supposed to come out in 2014 right. it's been like it's been years they've been working this game for so long and they brought it out and it's just half finished and they've just clearly gone like fuck it whatever it's 2020 everyone will, everyone will get it it's fine yeah Every, everyone's had a like, hard year gamers could just like have fun playing animal crossing but instead they're obsessed over like whether or not they can like murder Look, people with like gigantic penises in they're the too busy they're too busy getting mad about. about crossing genders the thing is the th- no but the the thing is is that it doesn't matter how big your penis is in the game it doesn't affect the gameplay at all and no <laughs> one can decide no one can decide whether that's like a philosophical comment or they just didn't get round to it well wait do you think that it should i don't think know that, like if your i don't know penis it's is too in- big you can't walk normal no, like- no, it's just that then in no way is the gameplay affected by how big your character's penis is and it's unclear. Uh, it's unclear well, whether that's a deliberate choice or they just they just forgot to add that. It could mm. be both. It could be either. <laughs> just like life. Um, the content I've been consuming this week um, is a book called Monica, you read which a is book? like a children's c- comic. No, it's a oh, children's right. comic in Brazil that's kind of like Peanuts, but I'm using it to like learn Portuguese. And so I've been reading about Monica and her friend Cebolinha, which means little onion. And the two of them like meet aliens and like have adventures. And it's it's helping. Actually, it's helping my vocabulary quite a bit. Um, so that, that's the content I've cool. consumed this week. <laughs> it's, it's, great, it's great reading to it's great reading for the uh, for the, Sh- the Shrek cafe that you found. Oh, that's right. I did find a Shrek-themed lunch place on the uh, Brazilian uh, coasts this weekend. That was very nice. fun. Um, get- Hussein, if people want to follow you on the don't, internet, where's the best place to don't, do Don't, but if you insist, uh, you can follow me at HKizvani. You can also follow uh, my my post podcast, which is at 10K Post Pod. Um, and you can also follow Trash Future at Trash Future Pod. Sounds great. Um, I wish you all the best of luck as a fellow at the Brookings Institute covering, um, you know, <laughs> neoliberalism. Uh, I'm really sad you left the Heritage Foundation. You did such good work. <laughs> I mean, there is a guy. There is a guy I know at the Brookings Institute whose job is like to be like he's kind of called like an internet a warfare reporter, but like I'm pretty sure that all he like looks at all day as like shit posting yes no i I think i actually know the same guy yeah. you're talking about yeah he's, nice a, he's a pretty cool guy he's just like i just i, I kind of want your job where i get like big think tank money um to just look at posts all day rather yeah. than doing it for free 
God, <laughs> we should, should we start a think tank? We should start a think tank. I feel, I feel like, I feel like the future of podcasts in the same way that like lots of magazines kind of like, kind of incorporated into think tanks and vice versa. The future of think of podcasts are, are going to be think tanks. Let's do it. Let's start a think, think tank. Yeah, I could do a think tank. Yeah, fuck okay. it, why not? <laughs>